This is the Trophy Room, aka Trophy Room Radio. I am your host, Brett Hammer, wherever you are on this wonderful Monday morning. Thank you for making me a part of your day, Tuesday, late in the afternoon, whatever it is. We appreciate you getting to the podcast, wherever it is. Coming up, we have a Super Bowl to review, and boy, is there tons to talk about. Look, I'm the person who finds truth wherever it is, and today it's on both sides of the aisle. So buckle up because we are going to be hopping all over everywhere. But before we get into that, as you all know, it is way too hard to buy quality graphic tees these days. You look it up on Etsy and eBay, and all you get is third-party products, and none of it's real. Game Changers is throwing a wrench into all of that. Game Changers is a real company that puts real quality in the phrase, you get what you pay for. They make high-end quality shirts with all your favorite NBA and NFL teams and players, as well as other culture icons. If you head over to GameChanger.LA, you can use promo code HAMMERTIME23 for $10 off. It's HAMMERTIME23. Capital H, Hammer Time 23 for $10 off your next order. They just uploaded a Rihanna shirt, I believe, from the Super Bowl. And then they definitely have Kelsey and definitely have the Mahomes. And the Mahomes one's really cool because it's like my Jalen Hurts one where it's front and back. It's got his number and all his draft information on the back. So really cool stuff. But speaking of things that are on the come up, we are sponsored by the good people over at Jim Candy. So head over to JimCandyGummies.com as well as their socials on Instagram and TikTok. Go test out the product that is revolutionizing the pre-workout market. And as you all know, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram and TikTok at BHammerTime. The letter B, HammerTime with two E's instead of one. Shout out is just going to be that we had a TikTok that blew up yesterday. So right after... Jalen Hurts goes and throws that bomb to A.J. Brown in the back of the end zone on one horn. Thornhill, I believe. Uh, well, actually, we made two TikToks about that. The first one, which people didn't love as much, but I took the 21, can you do something for me? I took that one and I stitched it with A.J. Brown kind of mossing one Thornhill because he's number 21. That one was kind of cool, but people didn't love that one as much, which I was kind of surprised about. Because guess what? This is the thing I'm starting to learn about TikTok. The more, and I hate this because I believe in authenticity, and so I didn't do it to be inauthentic. But people react more, and your videos get posted more if people hate it. Like if people interact with it saying this is stupid, or we disagree, or whatever, that's when you get the most views. That's when you get more interaction. And so I took Colin Cowherd saying, Jalen Hurts wasn't capable of making the big throws and stitch that with the the video of Jalen Hurts just railing the ball 55 yards downfield to A.J. Brown in the end zone. And, of course, it didn't age well because Jalen Hurts' throw at the end of the game went 25 yards, and it was really bad. But I still stand by what I said, A, because it got a lot of engagement. I think it's our highest-watched TikTok to date. And B, because the point Jalen that Colin Coward made was that Jalen Hurts just doesn't have a big enough arm. He had a big enough arm. He made the throw. Did it suck when he got to the last play of the game? Yeah, but I think at that point he knew there was nothing that he was going to do that was going to win that Super Bowl because they he, he couldn't have launched the ball. He just doesn't have that. He's not a, He doesn't have the biggest arm of all time. He has a pretty big arm, like all things considered. Really great at throwing off platform, which we saw. But he just didn't have like a howitzer. He doesn't have Josh Allen's arm. He doesn't have Patrick Mahomes' arm. He has a very good arm. But 
at that point, there was pretty much nothing he could do. I think he knew that. I, I look back and I wonder why they didn't design a play to try just run like a deep corner and go out with a second left and step out of bounds and hopefully kick a 63-yard field goal because I, I, I don't know what Jake Elliott's true range is, but I know in a Super Bowl, I'm rather I would rather take a 63-yard field goal to tie the game, go to overtime, than to try and ream the ball 70 yards downfield in prayers of a hail mary. Because I think six seconds is definitely enough time to get that corner, step out of bounds with one second left on the clock. But that's just my two cents. So here's there's a lot of different places that we have to go today, and this is all Super Bowl related. So don't worry. People who are my NBA haters, I don't really feel like... I mean, I think we did a pretty good job last week of Super Bowl week leading up, and we covered everything. But today, I want to do just the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about the play. We're going to talk about what this says about Patrick Holmes, what it says about Andy Reid. We're going to talk about how Jalen Hurts fared in this game. And uh, we're going to talk about that dynamic duo together. Here's what we'll go. We'll start first with my right and wrong. Now, I was wrong, but I was technically right. So, I said, and I can't remember if I said this on the show last week, but you can ask all my friends. I said, people I talked to who asked me about it, I said that I thought that the the Eagles defense would hold Travis Kelsey to under 100 yards. And six minutes into the game, that didn't look like it was going to happen. It did happen. Travis Kelsey, I think when we talked about this a week ago, we talked about this on Wednesday, I brought up to you that the last game that they played, the Eagles and the Chiefs, Travis Kelsey had four catches for 23 yards, and that's about what the Eagles were averaging to tight ends individually this season. Obviously, he went over that. But I look at the Bengals. He had, what, 14 catches? Over 100 yards. I I still don't understand how you think Travis Kelsey isn't smart enough to just eat up those zones. Because, he, I mean, in my mind, I look at it and I say, if you want to guard Travis Kelsey, you got to go man up. So maybe you go cover zero. And you say, instead of going to cover one, we go straight man or you go cover six, cover three, whatever, pull a guy out, lock him up on Travis Kelsey. So Travis Kelsey has to be manned up running through zones. And they held Travis Kelsey, shocking enough, to under 100 yards. He had, let's see. Six catches, 81 yards. He actually didn't lead the team in catches or targets. That would have been one Juju Smith-Schuster. Seven catches, 53 yards, and nine targets. He got a lot of those down there in the fourth quarter because you saw they just... If you go back and watch the tape, they tried everything in their dog to try and slow down Travis Kelsey, which left Juju Smith-Schuster open on a lot. Before we get into anything else, though, let's do this about Patrick Mahomes. And I hate it when 
a narrative swings completely based on what happened, not necessarily what the truth is. Because now we're saying, wow, look at what Patrick Mahomes did on a bum leg. Okay, well, if they would have lost, it would have been like, well, did it really count because Patrick Mahomes was on a bum leg? I will say this. I do believe you can make the argument the Eagles didn't face a serious offense. Not like this, this season. One of the better ones they probably faced was the uh, Minnesota Vikings and our boy Jay Jettas. But none of it seems to be able to compare to what the Chiefs did yesterday. Patrick Mahomes will go down as the second greatest quarterback of all time. But he will go down as the best quarterback of all time. And I say that all the time, but I don't think people totally get what I'm saying. So let me break it down like this. I don't think anyone is ever going to touch Tom Brady's seven Super Bowls. Ever. I just don't see it happening. And And then you have to add in all of his appearances, all of his AFC championships... I just don't think it'll ever happen. And to me, I think two things can be true, seemingly conflicting, but I think two things can be true at the same time. Those things are that Tom Brady is not the most talented quarterback we've ever seen. But the the reason that we call him the GOAT is because of what he did without being the most talented. Right? I think we would all agree if you want to talk about guys who are more talented, more flashy, more sexy than Tom Brady, I mean, the list is pretty endless. Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, probably Brett Favre, uh, Dan Marino, Michael Vick. Like, the list of guys who are more sexy football-wise than Tom Brady is pretty long. But the one thing they don't, none of them have is seven Super Bowls and nine Super Bowl appearances. So, you got to look at that. But like I just said, the flip side of that coin is that none of uh, what Tom Brady has done has been more flashy, more talented. Again, nobody is better at manipulating the pocket than Patrick Mahomes. Nobody is better at making off-platform throws than Patrick Mahomes. Nobody is better than improvising than Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes isn't even the best athlete. He's really not that good of an athlete. He's a sneaky athlete, to be honest with you. But the things that he was able to do yesterday, let me give it to you like this. I give you two stats before the game last week, specifically about things that quarterbacks have done and then lost in the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is now the first quarterback in the last 20, 30 years. Maybe ever. No, ever. To lead the league in passing and win a Super Bowl. Never been done before. He's also the first of the last seven MVPs to win MVP and win the Super Bowl. The last seven MVPs to make it to a Super Bowl, all lost. Patrick Mahomes did both of those in the same season. Never been done before. Patrick Mahomes, he's also the first person in all of sports within the first five years of his career. To go to, to win two MVPs and two uh, championship MVPs and two championships, first one in any professional sport. 
Patrick Mahomes is doing things that we have never seen the likes of. Not even Tom Brady was doing this. And I don't, there are some people who want to have the argument that maybe Pat will be the GOAT someday. Look, I am all for being records being broken. I am all for being wrong if it means we get to see something absolutely incredible. I thought there was no way that Georgia would ever beat Bama in a national championship. I was wrong, and I'm happy that I'm wrong. And I'm the same way with Patrick Mahomes. I don't think he'll ever touch what Tom Brady did. But if I'm wrong, that'll be hella fun. Because then you just get into the argument of, okay, well, what does Patrick Mahomes really have to do to rival Tom Brady? Does he have to win seven Super Bowls? I think seven's a high enough number that he has to win at least three more to even get into that conversation. And even still, I think if he only wins five, people will see it as LeBron and Jordan. And that, and then we will immediately be split into camps. Because right now, the... Most disputed GOAT of all time is LeBron Jordan. The most unanimous GOAT of all time is Tom Brady. Nobody's arguing that, right? Seven Super Bowls is pretty tough to argue with. I mean, Joe Montana has two. Terry Bradshaw has three, I think. But again, neither of them compare to Tom Brady at seven. So to me, Patrick Williams has got to move into the five Super Bowl range. In order to compete with Tom Brady. But then still. I'll probably be in the Jordan camp. Which is the Brady camp. And you'll have other people. Who are in the LeBron or Mahomes camp. And it'll just be old school versus new school. Just kind of how you were raised. I still just don't think that 7 MV- seven Super Bowls. Should lose to 5. Because I think you can definitively say. Without stepping on anybody's toes. Or taking down anybody's record. That. Seven Super Bowls, the greatest of all time, not the best of all time. To me, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback we've ever seen. Tom Brady is the greatest, and they're not the same thing. Does that make sense? You guys understand what I'm saying? And this is all This is all I'll say to wrap this little Mahomes segment up. You know like Kenny Chesney's song, Don't Blink? Don't blank just like that. Uh, you're six years old and you take a nap, wake up, and you're 25. Let's just not blank. Because I look back, and we talked about this last week. I spent so much of my life hating LeBron James and being so upset that LeBron just always somehow found a way to win the game. It, whether it was a call that went his way, a bucket that rolled in, Ray Allen hitting one of the most miraculous shots in all of sports history. However you feel about Mahomes, however you feel about Brady, compartmentalize because enjoy this. Because the reason we watch sports is to watch history be broken. Let's be honest about that. We watch it to, to see the game change. Don't be the guy who spends his whole life hating Patrick Mahomes because you love Tom Brady and you don't like the rival that he's become. Look, Tom Brady beat Mahomes like he did. Mahomes is never going to be able to go back and get that over Tom. Don't spend the rest of your life not 
respecting, understanding, and appreciating what Patrick Mahomes is going to give us from a history-breaking perspective. Like I just told you, the first quarterback to win, to lead the league in passing yards and win a Super Bowl, first quarterback to win MVP, win a Super Bowl the same season. And also, the first player in all of sports, major pro sports history within his first five years to win two championships, two MVPs, two uh, championship MVPs. Nobody else has ever done that. It just is what his mom's is that dude. I do want to talk about this. We'll get into this right now. Um, so I'm trying to think of great movies because I don't think anybody will agree with me on this one, but this is how I feel about you ever watch Hitch. There's that scene in Hitch where Will Smith is teaching Kevin James how to dance because he's going out with this girl that he really likes. He's going to be at this giant club party whole deal and Kevin James has no rhythm no game so he's teaching him how to dance and Will Smith says even one of the best dancers can ruin it with one of these and then he puts his hands up and does this little spin in the air and looks really dumb and Kevin James goes now that's what I need to be learning and Will Smith's point is that if you go on a really good first date but you pull the trigger way too quick and kiss the girl when you shouldn't have you can ruin the previous 88 minutes of that date where she thought, yeah, I'd go out with this guy again. It's kind of the same way that I felt about um, the Batman. I thought it was an incredible movie, and I'm not down-talking it. I think it was still great. But for me, the issue with the Batman was it was such a long movie, and the first two acts were great. And then the last little bit of it I felt like was kind of pointless. Or maybe not pointless, but way too drawn out. Way too long. My point to you is this. Even one of the best Super Bowls of all time can ruin it with one of these. To quote the great Will Smith. And to me, we got to watch one of the best Super Bowls I've seen in a long time. Unfortunately, we didn't really get any great defense because I think Jalen Hurts was only sacked once and Mahomes was sacked zero times, which give all this. Both of these offensive lines played incredible. And you saw me post it. I said, if the Eagles win, Travis Kelsey needs to get Super Bowl MVP. Because at one point in the game, they were 33 of 37 on quarterback sneaks to get the first down. And that's all because. Jason Kelsey nosedives and picks it up every time. And Jalen Hurts just walks in behind him. The reason I bring up this narrative of a a movie being great, ending badly, a date being great, ending badly, is because that's how I felt like the end of this game. And you all know what we're about to talk about. We are going to talk about that incredulous holding penalty. So let's start here. 
I think we can all agree that however you felt about this game, whoever you were rooting for, officiating was bad. Now, I like that they didn't call holding on... I don't think we had a single holding call. Maybe we had one on the offensive line, which I loved. Just let him play. We didn't have any pass interference. Love. Let him play. But we did have a couple of questionable calls on catches. So here's what I'm telling you. I think the refs got a little too involved in this game. And I'm, I am I will always... Look, you heard me after the Chiefs-Bengals game. I tend to stay on the side of officials. But you watched that Devontae Smith catch, I believe, in the second or third quarter. And it was definitely a catch. And it was ruled a catch. And then they went back and overturned it. Do you know why they did that? I'll tell you why. Because they said, you know what? The Eagles, Devontae Smith got away with one. On that one-handed catch that wasn't a catch against the 49ers. So they said, we got to take that one back. And I know that you're saying, oh, well, the refs don't do that. They did. Because then they gave Dallas Goddard a catch that probably wasn't a catch. All so that they could get Devontae Smith back for pulling one over on them the two weeks prior. That was weird. The officiating was just all over the place the whole game, regardless of how you feel. And I remember sitting there. And I said, if the Chiefs get this and they run out the last three minutes of the clock and kick a field goal to win the game, this is going to be so boring and so sad to watch. Because obviously, I love Jalen Hurts. But what I wanted more than that was this to be an entertaining football game. And I know that you feel the same way. So then the question we have to ask is, was it holding on James Bradbury against Juju Smith-Schuster? Well, yes and no, but let me start this monologue off this little section of the podcast with telling you, I'm not saying the NFL is rigged, but if there ever was a time for me to be able to preach a little bit of a conspiracy, it would be on a smaller podcast before I ever get big, because after this, I can never say it again, but I think it's possible, not likely, but I think it's possible and let's get, we'll get to it in a second. So the first issue where I'm having a little bit of lacking of understanding is I thought within three to five yards of the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage, I thought you could do whatever you want jamming wise. And I also thought you couldn't call pass interference behind the line of scrimmage. I thought behind the line of scrimmage was kind of fair game because offenses are allowed to block behind the line of scrimmage. As long as the ball is thrown behind the line of scrimmage. I thought it was kind of no man's land. So that's the first thing. That I've just never understood is like why sometimes it's okay and why sometimes it's not. And I'm sure that's just a rule book issue. I tried looking it up yesterday. I really couldn't find that much clarity. Maybe it's a college NFL team. You'll have to tell me. I don't know. My second thing is that's a really weak holding call. Because... If you go back and watch it, and if you obviously if you stop it, it looks like because it it may have been his hand is holding that jersey, but if you watch it in real time, the hand falls off and there's no fist full of jersey. The hand falls off. Now, did he grab it for a split second? Probably, 
But if the reason you're calling holding is because you're telling me and you're telling the players what James Bradbury did was impede the route that he wasn't allowed to get open. Well, first of all, he was open and Mahomes missed him anyway. That's the first thing. So, and I'm not really sure that that had anything to do with James Bradbury. Yes or no holding. But the second thing is, I I just don't think there was enough there for you to call that. Because again, you go back and watch the play. There's not, it's not definitive one way or the other. I'm not saying it wasn't holding, but I'm saying I don't think you have enough evidence to say that it was. My other issue is, comes back to the point that I opened with, a great movie can be ruined by a bad ending. And this great movie was ruined by a bad ending. And props to Andy Reid, props to Kansas City. I'm not saying, look, we don't know. If Jalen Hurts gets the football, we don't know that they go down and score and win the game. There's no definitive evidence to say that, and I'm not arguing that there is. Here's my issue. Look, at the end of at the end of uh, Infinity War, the Avengers lost. But they didn't lose because the refs threw a flag. They had a chance to win at the end of Infinity War, and they didn't. Their friends got wiped out. And guess what? Infinity War is still a great movie. But they got to come back on the other side. My issue here is give the other team a chance to go down and win it. Because tell me this, if they don't call that, just think about the play. If they don't call that, the Eagles go down, score a touchdown, win the game. Do you think we go back and look at that play and said, oh my gosh, this is holding. Like this is definitively holding. It should have been called. If he doesn't touch him, he catches the football. They win the game. And uh, this thing goes to overtime and the Chiefs win. Because I don't think that we do. If we don't get a flag on that play, I don't think we remember that play. I think all we remember it as is an incompletion. And we say, because the only reason we're saying it's holding is because the refs said that it was holding and because James Bradbury. But just because James Bradbury said it was holding, that doesn't prove anything to me. I, I don't really care what James Bradbury said. He's being, a, he's being a good guy who's taking the high road. But I don't like it because, I, again, I'm here to watch a great movie. I'm here to be entertained. The NFL is not real life. The, enter, the NFL is entertainment. And my issue is that we didn't get a chance to watch the other team go down and try and score. And I think the Chiefs probably would have held them to a field goal, and I think Mahomes would have done what Mahomes did in the overtime and win the football game. But if you tell me, because I didn't really feel like the end of that game was that overwhelming from the Chiefs' perspective. I mean, if you go back and look, Mahomes didn't even pass for 200 yards. 21-27, 182 yards. I I don't really feel like we got a whole lot of Mahomes' magic. Not to say the the Chiefs didn't play well, but I would have liked to see something a little crazy. And I don't really feel like we super got that. Now here's where I'll go off on my little tangent. The one thing that sells more than the underdog story is the underdog upsetting the villain. You go back to, let's look at one of the greatest underdog stories of all time. The blind side. There's the scene 
where Michael, I believe, is playing his first football game. And the reason that we enjoy this part of the movie so much is not because, oh, Michael Orr was able to be so dominant. But it's because they made you hate the racist kid and his racist dad. And Michael Orr picked up the villain and put him through the back of the end zone. But if it's just some random kid, that's cool. But you don't feel as much emotion because you don't hate the villain. Because, unfortunately, what sells is conflict. What sells is hate and dislike. So this is the way I see it. The NFL no longer has a villain. Because Bill, che- Bill Belichick's not winning anymore. And Tom Brady's no longer in the league. So there's no one left to hate. Now, Patrick Mahomes is a tough guy to hate individually. But he does a really good job because his family's pretty hateable. By the internet will tell you. The NFL needs a new villain. I'm not saying definitively. Yes, the refs made it so that the, the, the Chiefs won the football game. But don't tell me that you feel good about that as a Kansas City fan because I think, I know, if the roles were reversed, Kansas City fans would be upset and justifiably so. I'm not upset because I think the Eagles got robbed. I'm upset because I think we as football fans who didn't care who won or lost, we got robbed because we didn't get to see the game-finishing type play. And I think the NFL realized, it's possible the NFL realized We don't have a villain. We need to make one. And again, like I told you with the Michael Orr deal, the one thing that sells more than an underdog winning is the underdog upsetting a villain that you absolutely hate. So, and guess what? Everyone will come back. Everyone can hate a villain. Not everybody is an Eagles fan. Not everybody is a Chiefs fan. Not everybody is a Bengals fan. Everybody hates. Not everybody loves, but everybody hates. And so here's how you get people to watch next year and the year after and the year after and the year after is because you say, how are we going to take down the villain? How is the underdog going to take down the villain? But the villain is the central focus of the story because every great movie has a great villain. It's the reason that Dark Knight was incredible is because Heath Ledger's Joker is one of the greatest movie villains of all time. It's the reason Endgame and Infinity War, so great because Thanos is one of the greatest villains ever. Same reason Dark Knight Rises was so good because Bane is one of the best villains ever. If you want to have a great story, you need a great villain because great villains losing sells more than underdogs winning. And I think it's possible the NFL said, you know what? We need a villain to be hated and we don't have that anymore. And we need to pull everyone back, all fans back to say, let's go watch and see if this villain will lose and get blasted. And I think that's very likely what happened. Again, allegedly, there's no definitive evidence to say that. Don't come at me for defamation. I'm just saying I think it's very possible the NFL knew they needed a new villain. And they said we need the Chiefs to win this one. Because we need people to hate them. That's all I'm saying. I'm not a huge conspiracy theorist. But I, th- I find it very interesting that they called that when it was it, – they hadn't called anything the entire game from a holding defensive pass interference. And I like that. Just don't rob us at the end of the game from getting to watch a great finish. Because if the Eagles go down and they lose under their own accord, 
fine. Or if they lose because the Chiefs defense is awesome, great. But you pulled everybody's agency out of the game when you made that call. When you hadn't called it all game. That's my issue. If you call it all game, that's fine. But I guarantee you they were holding pass interference the whole game and we just didn't call it. And I'm fine with that because I liked the way this one went. I liked the officials took their hand out of it. And then, then they realized, oh, you know what? We haven't hit our quota yet. The NFL needs us to make a villain. So let's do that. Also, again, for some reason, the mic is falling off the stand. So we got to fix this, people. Let's do Jalen Hurts, though. Jalen Hurts had one of the greatest Super Bowl performances that I can remember in a long time. Jalen Hurts did every single thing you want. I would argue Jalen Hurts is the most effective dual threat quarterback to ever make it and play in a Super Bowl. Because as far as I'm aware, Michael Vick's never played in a, Michael Vick never played in a Super Bowl. You could probably argue before him that that Patrick Mahomes was the best, but I would argue that Jalen Hurts is more of a dual threat than Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is more of an improviser than he is a dual threat, right? Let me just give you Jalen Hurts' stat line: twenty-seven to thirty-eight, three hundred four yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. Jalen Hurts, 15 carries, 70 yards, three touchdowns. Isaiah Pacheco for the Kansas City offense, 15 carries, 76 yards, one touchdown. So Hurts had six yards less and three more touch or two more touchdowns. That's a hell of a game. I get it. He lost. And Mahomes definitely outplayed him in the second half. But if you want to talk about just who had the better game. Now, let's talk a couple points because Jalen Hurts was definitely nervous enough to fumble the ball. And the Chiefs return it for a touchdown. And again, I don't ever think it's it's worth it to have that would have, should have, because you had enough time. Again, you should never... I mean, the, the, the play of the game is don't let the game come down to one play. Win it so that one play can't define it. The Eagles couldn't do that. That touchdown that they gave up, that Jalen Hurts gave up fumbling the football, you could argue that it's what cost them the game more than the flag that was thrown at the end. But Jalen Hurts definitely outplayed Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes outplayed in the second half. And I gave Mahomes his props at the beginning, but now it's time to give Jalen Hurts his props. At every single, tell me an athlete that has been more disrespected than Jalen Hurts. Just tell me one, because I bet you can't find one. Jalen Hurts has been disrespected at every single point, every single stage of his career. I hate that people say, oh, well, the Eagles made the playoffs last year. The Eagles should not have made the playoffs last year. The Eagles had essentially nothing going for them, and they, they just limped into the Super Bowl because nobody else wanted to play. Jalen Hurts has been doubted every single stage of his career. Second round draft pick, the guy said, you know what? He's probably going to end up being a running back in this league. Then they said, you know what? We're not even sure that he's going to be the starter here in Philadelphia. In college, they said, you know what? He's just not good enough to start Alabama. And then they let him take over for Tua. 
in the SEC title game, wins the game, and they still tell him, ah, you know what, you're just not good enough to play here. Goes to Oklahoma, scores five or six touchdowns in his debut with Oklahoma, and they said, ah, you know what, he just, he's, he's too much of a dual threat. He won't be that good in the NFL. Now, a lot of this will attribute to he doesn't cost that much, which means you can afford to pay everybody else. Fine. But tell me, who in the game had the same game that he did? Nobody. 300 yards passing, 70 yards rushing, four total touchdowns. What more do you need to see from Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts is a top 10 quarterback in the league. Maybe seven. If like let's just let's just think about it. Which which quarterbacks can we say are definitively better than Jalen Hurts? We'd probably say Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. And then after that, I think it's close. Because I would argue. Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts, pretty similar talent surrounding them. Jalen Hurts has made the playoffs twice now. Justin Herbert has made it once. I I think that one's debatable. But either way, we can argue that that Jalen Hurts is probably a top seven quarterback in the NFL. And put on one of the best Super Bowl performances that we've ever seen. And probably the only thing that cost him the game was his fumble, which we will absolutely give. But let's also give him his props and say this was one of the best Super Bowl performances that we've seen from a quarterback in a long time, and we were just so grateful to get to witness it. All right, let's go do Andy Reid. And then we'll do the duo, and then we'll be done. But I look, there's a lot of different things to talk about Super Bowl, and I know that's what you're here for. So here, whether it's Tuesday, Monday, whether you still want to be talking about the Super Bowl, and how the commercials, again, just never what they're supposed to be. Oh, also, Rihanna put up a top five Super Bowl performance all the time. Maybe top three. But I felt like what she did between the the video cinematography, between the choreography of the dancing, the set setup, the dress, everything, that felt like that's what the weekends should have been. And the weekend sucked. And Rihanna was incredible. It also made you realize how long Rihanna has been relevant. She's probably the a top three biggest pop star of the last 20 years. Because she has so many hits. She just kept playing hit after hit after hit after hit. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe Rihanna. I forgot Rihanna. Like, um, all of the lights. Forgot Rihanna was on that one. Run the sound. Remembered Rihanna was on that one. And then obviously you had all of her solos that were incredible. But like... There was a time when if you had a rap song and Rihanna wasn't featuring as the chorus, it wasn't a banger because Rihanna's just that good. One of the best Super Bowl halftimes. And again, Rihanna is the antithesis of what Disney Plus series and Disney and Marvel movies have been where it's like, oh, well, this can only be good if we have a surprise character who comes up and makes a show. In. I was waiting for Jay-Z. To show up during Run This Town. I was hoping Kanye would show up during All of the Lights. Neither of those things happened. And guess what? The performance was still incredible regardless. So shout out to Rihanna. That was one of the best Super Bowl performances we've seen in a long, long time.
Um, give you a quick Andy Reid stat. So Andy Reid is now tied at third in Super Bowl appearances with four. He's the only guy to go to multiple Super Bowls, to four Super Bowls with multiple teams and win two. The only other coach to go to four Super Bowls with two different teams, not four, obviously we're talking about four total because Reid went with the Eagles once and now the Chiefs three times. The only other coach to go to four with multiple teams Never won one. One zero. Andy Reid's legit. Andy Reid, we will probably say at the end of his career, is the best offensive head coach of all time. Now has two Super Bowl rings, four Super Bowl appearances, and the most creative guy that we have ever seen call plays in the NFL. And it just makes you think. Because you, we only got to watch Brady and uh, Belichick once, right? Like, I look back and I don't really remember guys. I mean, maybe you can argue Jimmy Johnson and Troy Aikman or some of those Cowboys teams. But a lot of those dynasties back in the day were built on defense. Like those Ravens teams, those are built on defense. And Brian Billick was the coach of one of them. Jim Har- John Harbaugh was the coach of the other one. Like, I, the Eagles and the Chiefs are perfect examples of how you make the Super Bowl. You either go with a rookie, rookie quarterback deal and you pay everybody else. Or you do what the Chiefs did where a little bit tougher to do. You get a generational talent. Pair him with a perfect coach, and then you just keep on running until you can't run anymore. But I think when people look and they say, well, was it Tom Brady or was it Bill Belichick? Which is kind of the discussion that we had a little bit last week when Brian, uh, Bill Belichick was on Tom Brady's podcast. This just reinforces to me that that conversation, that argument is stupid. Because nobody really wanted Patrick Mahomes. A lot of people thought he was going to be a bust. Everyone thought he was going to be like Brett Favre, but not that good. And Andy Reid, we liked. But what was Andy Reid doing with Alex Smith? What was Travis Kelsey doing with Alex Smith? You feel what I'm saying? It's To me, if we now have two large sample sizes between Mahomes and Brady... Uh, sorry, Mahomes and Reed, Belichick and Brady. You need a great partnership to be great. Go look at the great movies. Great director with great actors. Michael Jordan, Phil Jackson. Dynasties, you got to have a great star and a great coach. And that's, you, you don't, other outside of LeBron, but most dynasties, you need to have somebody who's in charge, who's big time. Like even Steph Curry and the Warriors. Steph Curry, Steve Kerr, whatever the GM's name, who I can't remember who's incredible over there, Golden State. They say if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. The Chiefs are a living, breathing example of that. That they will not be stopped. 
And I don't know. I don't think they win another Super Bowl next year. Not ever, but just I don't think they win another one next year. We will see. But they certainly put the rumors to bed that Mahomes and Reed needed Tyreek Hill. They didn't. They won without him. They are your Super Bowl champions. They are the second greatest quarterback coach duo of all time. And they are a dynasty. As of right now, they are a dynasty. And I don't think anyone can argue with that. And I can say that I wish that the Eagles would have had a chance as a fan and say that the Eagles, that the Chiefs absolutely deserve their dues. The Kansas City Chiefs are your 2022 to 2023 Super Bowl champions. Mom's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, one of the greatest coaching quarterback duos of all time, and maybe the best offensive head coach duo, offensive head coach of all time. That's going to be our NFL season. We will not stop talking about the NFL. We'll keep rolling. we got plenty of things to look at in free agency. we got Derek Carr. we got Aaron Rodgers. we got XFL starting next week. we got USFL starting in two weeks. So, look, people, sports are nowhere to be lost. We are going to keep it rolling. Thank you so much for hanging out. Enjoy the rest of your Monday, Tuesday, wherever you are. We will talk on Wednesday. Cheers. Whoa.